0: join us for a life-changing experience. You're tuning into the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, hosted by the insightful Pastor Adam Burton. This week, Pastor Adam shares a powerful message on hope in the midst of grief, the resurrection power of Jesus. We will explore the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and the hope it brings to us in the midst of our own grief and suffering. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and never miss a beat of this life-changing experience.
1: Well, this morning I was supposed to start a uh, a new two-part sermon series on on church membership. What does it mean to be uh, a member of a local body of believers? And I, I put out a video in the Central Connection and on on social media. But yesterday I just uh, just really felt a, a sense of the Holy Spirit to, to kind of go in a different direction direction this this morning. Um, you know, and in the, the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon writes that for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance. This message that God has laid on my heart, I think, is probably one of the most difficult sermons that I had to preach. But my prayer is uh, that in spite of my uh, inabilities, challenges, that... God would be glorified, and that the Spirit would move. During the summers, Riley and I we like to go up to, to Kings Island and to, to ride the roller coasters. You know, there's something pretty exhilarating about you know strapping into that that car, and you you lose your stomach as you as you dip and you turn and you flip. You know, roller coasters are typically over in just a few minutes. But when you ride them enough, you, you, you kind of get to know where all the, the loops and the turns are, and, and you know when it's going to speed up, when it's going to slow down. You know when the coaster's going to end. You hear the brakes hit, and you kind of click, 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 and then you hear the pff, pff, and well, you Well, know, right now, I feel like I'm riding an emotional roller coaster. And I know many of, of you are as well. You know, the loss of control that makes a, a real roller coaster fun is the same thing that makes a, an emotional roller coaster difficult. Because when you're on a ride, you know when it's completed, you hear that safety bar click and then you raise up and then you can get out. But when we're on an emotional roller coaster, we don't have that assurance. How long will it last? When will it end? And the thing is, in times like these, it is essential for us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. President Theodore Roosevelt said that a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education you know i've devoted much of my life to studying the bible i've spent years in seminary and hours pouring over god's word seeking the best way to apply it to my life and, and to those that i minister to but one of the dangers uh, that, that, you know, I try to get across and been reading the Bible is that when we open God's word and, and look at the text that we immediately rush to, well, what does this say to me? We kind of put ourselves into the into the story where whereas the first question we ask in interpreting scripture is, what does the Bible say? Not what does it mean to me? But there's another danger that we might face when when reading the Scriptures. We read it as an outsider looking in. We we separate ourselves completely from the the text. John Flavel, a, a British pastor from the 1600s, said that the Scriptures teach us the best way of living, the noblest way of suffering, and the most comfortable way of dying. See, the Bible is not some abstract facts and beliefs that we might find interesting or something to, to bring up at a, at a dinner party. It, sometimes it, it doesn't make a great history channel show in trying to look at all of the archaeology and although it has a place. No, the Bible points us to the one who gives us hope in the midst of great sorrow. So that's my goal this morning. To that end, please turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. I do not uh, have the words on the the screen this morning, Um, so if you have a Bible, please um, open and follow along. Also, you can uh, use the outline on the back of your bulletin to, uh, to help you as we move through this text. You know, there's no one like Jesus. The author of Hebrews tells us that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. See, until Jesus was born in that manger in Bethlehem, no one had ever seen God. Now, God was always present, but no one could ever see him because of his holiness. Sin could not enter into his presence. That is, until Jesus came along. I love how John puts it. He said, and the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And through that word, through Jesus, the incarnational God, we have seen the glory as the only Son from the Father who is full of grace and truth. Jesus is God in the flesh. He was entirely God, but he was fully human. He looked like a man. He acted like a man, although I'm sure he put his dirty clothes in the laundry baskets. He talked like a man and even smelled like a man. However, everything he thought, said, or did, he did without sin. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus knew how to celebrate a wedding when he turned that water into wine, he knew what hunger was when he fed the 5,000. And he knew grief when his friend Lazarus died. Titled today's sermon, Hope in the Midst of Grief, The Resurrection Power of Jesus. Losing hope and grief, it's like wandering in a dark forest without a flashlight. It can be disorienting, scary, and when you can't see that path that's ahead, And you feel lost. You can feel alone, unsure, maybe if you'll ever find your way out. And when we lose someone that we love, it can feel like part of us has just been ripped away. Find struggle, and we struggle in finding meaning in experiences. And it can be hard to imagine a future with that person we've lost. And it's natural. You're saying it's natural to be overwhelmed, to be sad, and even angry. John chapter 11, we we see all of these emotions at, at play here. For Mary and Martha had just lost their brother to a sickness and during Jesus' ministry, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they they developed a, a pretty close bond, a, a deep relationship. The the Gospel of Luke describes an encounter with Jesus was at their home and he was eating and and Martha was being an excellent host. She ensured that that her guest had everything that that they needed. And I'm sure she felt a little, um, you know, at, uh, upset that her sister Mary wasn't carrying her weight. But Mary was captivated by Jesus. She sat at his feet, listened to every single word that he spoke. She's the woman that took that bottle of expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet that she took her hair and she wiped that perfume into his feet. That even, then also Jesus witnessed the emotions of Mary, right? She was upset that Martha wasn't in the kitchen helping out. And, and Luke describes Mary as being anxious. Anybody struggle with anxiety? Jesus' disciples were also anxious, Jesus told them, he said, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. But he goes on to say, fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sometimes when we, We cry out to God. It's as if we're uh, appealing to him and and almost asking him to to do us a favor out of obligation. But friends, when we come to him out of desperation, he doesn't pity us. He doesn't give to us in order that he might hold something over us. Oh, no, no, no. He finds good pleasure. In caring for his children, for his flock, and he says that, "Give you the kingdom." Mary and Martha believed that that Jesus had the power to heal Lazarus. They and they so desperately wanted to see their brother again, and so they 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 sent word to Jesus to that that their brother was deathly ill. Now, when you hear that someone is on their deathbed, right, what do you do? You you drop everything and you go see them because you don't know when the end may come. But that's not what Jesus did here. Luke tells us that Jesus stayed two more days before he went to Bethany to see Lazarus. Now, this doesn't sound loving. Right, Mary and Martha, they knew that Jesus had the power to heal, and they hoped that he would rush to beat the clock and to save their brother from death. So why would Jesus delay going to Lazarus? Because he had to glorify his father. Jesus allowed Mary and Martha to experience a painful painful grief. And he did so to glorify his father. First point this morning is the reality of grief. The reality of grief in this passage, I want us to look at three different portraits of how our characters grieve. The first one is, is Martha. Look here, starting in John chapter 11, verse 20 said, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Now, one might expect that Martha would be the one to to rush out to to see Jesus. She was the one at dinner to make sure that everything was the perfect way that it should be. And, And so she runs out and she stops Jesus before he gets to Lazarus. And then in verse 21, we see Martha's raw emotion. She just flat out says, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. Please know this. It is okay to question God. Martha does it here. Jesus questioned God in the garden to find another way instead of requiring him to die on the cross. And I tell you, I've questioned why God has taken Rachel. But I encourage you to wrestle with these questions and allow God to speak through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. Nobody enjoys grief. That feeling of unsettledness and that that pain we felt in our stomach. So many times our goal is to do whatever it takes to get out of that, that state that we're in, to find the answer to the world's most complicated questions. Why? And that's usually not a good idea because in the midst of that great emotion, we'll say things like, well, just God just needed her more than we did or he just wanted another angel to get their wings. No, no. It's not the time to answer these questions. No, it is the time to sit and to listen to the Lord in the midst of our grief. After a moment, Mary calms down. What she says in verse 28, she goes to her her sister. She says, the teacher is here. And she said, quietly. And he's calling for you. The second portrait of grief we have is Mary. Look, it's starting in verse 28. It says, when she had heard this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying again in private, the teacher is here calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha hadn't met him. Now, Mary's response was, was similar to Martha's, and yet her posture was different. Look at verse 32. It says, Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same words that her sister spoke, but we see she fell down. She fell at his feet, showing a sign of humility and desperation. You know, I wonder if Jesus thought back to that time when she got on her hands and knees, wiping his feet with her hair. You know, death and grief are humbling. There's no dignified way to die. And we shouldn't worry about what we look like when we grieve. Whether we're questioning, whether we're angry, or whether we are sobbing, it's okay. Just go to Jesus. Jesus. And he is the last portrait of grief we have. Look at verse 33 and following. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, well, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, oh, see how he loved him. The shortest verse in all of the Bible, John eleven thirty five, 35, just two words. But I think they're two of the most relatable words and two of the most comforting words. Jesus wept. Why did Jesus cry? because he loved Lazarus, he loved Mary, he loved Martha, and it grieved him that his friend had died. But it also grieved him to see how upset Mary and Martha were. What's amazing is that Jesus wept knowing exactly what happened. On purpose, he delayed going to Bethany so that Jesus would die. But he also knew that he would raise him from the grave. And he wept anyway. Grief is a natural and it is a good emotion for a painful situation. It is a gift from a God because it shows our love for the person that we're grieving and it also shows our humility before the Lord who raises the dead. Grief is a reality. But secondly, we see the power of Jesus to heal. See that Jesus waits intentionally to go to see see Lazarus. In doing so, he's showing his own sovereignty over time and death. In verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jesus reassures Mary and Martha here that he is the resurrection and the life and after that, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Verse 4, Jesus had said that said that he had heard, it said that the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You know, Jesus performed a miracle that day in the same way that his father spoke adam into existence jesus called out in a loud voice lazarus come out and he did can you think about how spectacular of an event that was you know i've been been to a lot of funerals from the time i was a kid to now can you imagine the sight if we You went out to the cemetery and uh, for the graveside service and then the the deceased person just opened the casket and and got up and and shook your hand. It would be a miracle. But as amazing of a miracle as Lazarus coming out of the tomb was, it wasn't even close to the greatest miracle. For Lazarus would die again. Other than being a, a great story to, to talk about, Lazarus' resurrection really doesn't give us much hope. Now, the greatest miracle was also a resurrection. When Jesus Christ rose from the grave, My that miracle, oh, my friend, is everything. For when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin on himself. Think about that. Every evil thought that you've had, every evil thing that you have done, he took that to the grave with him. And when he died, the Jews thought they had won. The Romans thought that they had won, but his death was all according to the plan of his father, for he came to do what no man could do, what Lazarus could not do, what I cannot do, what no other human being couldn't do. He defeated sin and death when he came out of that tomb. Look at the words that Jesus says to Martha in verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he closes with a question. Do you believe this? see the reality of grief that Jesus has the power to do miracles and lastly we see the call to believe. See Mary and Martha knew that Jesus had the power to raise Lazarus from, from the dead and they, they hoped that he had the love to do the same. And Jesus asked Martha, do you believe? that I am the resurrection and the life. It's the same question I ask you today. Do you believe that Jesus lived to the perfect, sinless life that you could not live? That he died the the sinner's death that you deserve? That he defeated sin and death when he rose from sin? The grave. Look at Martha's response in verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And friends, Jesus did come into the world and die so that you might live. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That promise does not mean that we will not grieve, nor doesn't mean that our physical bodies will not die. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are among the living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up into victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thanks God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood, He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath his cleansing blood. So today, we cling to the words that Paul spoke to the Thessalonians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be brought up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So today we grieve. but not as those who have no hope. For our hope is not in good health. Our hope is not in a loving family or in a secure job or a well retirement account. No, in Christ alone, my hope is found. No guilt in life, no fear in death. For this is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns. Calls me home. Hear the power of Christ, I stand.
0: Wow, what an impactful message that was. We hope you've been deeply touched and inspired by today's episode of the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you're craving even more uplifting content, head over to cbcmaysville.com where you'll find a wealth of life-changing messages and information about Central Baptist Church. Don't miss out on a single beat of this incredible journey. Hit the subscribe button now and join us as we grow closer to our Lord and Savior together.